Hey everyone, welcome to Darkcast Interviews. I'm your host, Jonathan Miley. DCI is a long-form interview podcast where we talk to game creators about who they are and their work behind the scenes, as well as, obviously, their recent or upcoming video games. In this episode, I talk with Ben Ward and Dan Marshall from Size 5 Games about their both recently released and upcoming uh, adventure game slash indie darling platformer, Lair of the Clockwork God. Before this episode gets any further, I do want to mention that this episode is a little more explicit than our episodes tend to be, but it is still a raw and very fun conversation. VR porn is discussed at one point in the show, and I've actually taken that conversation and moved it at the end so that if you don't want to listen to it, you don't have to, uh, but if you stay after the outro music, then you can hear that discussion in its entirety, and it's pretty hilarious. For more information about the game, check out the show notes for this episode on darkstation.com. There you can also find the original Darkcast, as well as other video game reviews, previews, and features. You can subscribe to the show on iTunes, follow us on Twitter at darkstation.com, find us on Facebook, check us out on YouTube, email us at podcast at darkstation.com, and you can join me tomorrow on November 7th for a 24-hour video game live stream that I will be doing to raise money for the Children's Hospital Network. As always, thank you so much for listening. Now on with the show. Welcome back to Darkcast Interviews. I'm Jonathan Miley. Joining me for this episode is Ben Ward and Dan Marshall from Size 5 Games to talk about their, their latest game, uh, Lair of the Clockwork God, which, uh, as I as I wrote notes for this, um, for whatever reason, I spo- spelled it layer, like you, you layer lasagna or whatever, um, yeah. and that became, like, really funny to me, and I'm like, that's... I feel like that should be a game somewhere, like the the Again, layers of the the Clockwork God, and make it you know a lasagna recipe or something weird. I don't I don't know. I don't know. I'm I haven't had enough. Coffee you'll be yet. pleased. You'll be pleased to hear the game does have lots of layers. Okay, so, fantastic. You know, like metaphorical and you know. <laughs> <That's... literally>, so, <laughs> so it so it does work. At least it didn't put like liar of the Clockwork God. I always typo it as liar of the Clockwork God. Mm. Um, yeah. Or Clockwork God. <laughs> which... That is a completely different so game. So you're like, that you're a level above me games. already. Um, but, um, I mean, even with her, with the first Dan and Ben game, Ben there, done that, no one can get that right. It's always been there, done that, or been there, done that. or like, be, you know, They people take can't the manage joke too far, and they just names, say the, so. the thing that you're making the joke of. Yeah. So I think, you know, I, I think this franchise is doomed to <laughs> names continuously spelt wrong. <laughs> I feel bad for the people who made um, Outer Wilds. And oh my God! The, right. And the other one, Outer Worlds. The Outer Worlds. Yeah. At the same time, I feel really bad for those people. Yeah, that is. That is. I genuinely, I genuinely could not tell you which is which right now. <laughs> um, I, um, I played both of them a lot, so I could, but that that's not what we're here for. Um, so. <laughs> Someone gave me a mnemonic, which is that Wilds with an I is the indie one, ah. and 
worlds with an O is, is it Obsidian or something like that? that it was is a Obsidian, reason. yeah. Yeah, so that's how you do it. That's pretty good. That's pretty yeah. good. I, I feel like worlds, they should have just changed their, their name because yeah. it's just a generic like sci-fi name. Like it, Anything else could have been more applicable to what that game is, but Outer Wilds is unique and was announced first, so they, they get to keep it. Um, and I, I like it. So I like both of them as games, but I like Outer Wilds as a name. Uh, anyway, okay, we, we got, we went tangential, like, really quick on this episode. That usually takes at least, like, two or three minutes instead of just instantaneously. Um, I see you've not heard any podcasts with us on it before. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, uh, so I'm, like I said, I'm talking to, to Ben and Dan. If, if you could both introduce yourselves so that people can kind of know uh, when, when one of you is talking, which one of it is you are. Uh, I, hello, I'm I'm Ben uh, Ward. I'm the one who can't say his R's properly, so that's an easy way to distinguish me. Um, I am a freelance um, video game designer. Uh, most of the stuff I've done has been on the Dan and Ben games. And I'm I'm Dan Marshall. I uh, can say my R's perfectly, <laughs> and um, <laughs> I run Size Five Games, which is uh, so. Are you uh, what Size Five Games? I run Size Five Games. You won um, how you won it, you mean. Okay. <laughs> uh, uh, and we make little indie games. And our latest game is Lair of the Clockwork God, uh, which comes out on PS4 and PS5 on the 6th of November. Woo. Wow, that is that is very soon from when this is recording. Uh, hopefully yeah. I can actually do my job and get this out on time then. Woohoo! <laughs> that's, that's a lot to ask. All right. Um, <laughs> so... Uh, before we get into talking about the game, I'd like to talk to you guys a little bit more uh, about kind of who you are and, and what you do on these games. Ben, you said that you're, you're freelance indie, and Dan, you run Five Size, but I know that both of you have worked on Been There, Dan That, um, and then now Layer of the Clockwork God. Is, is Layer of the Clockwork God like a sequel to Been There, Dan That? Or just- it's like... It's a standalone. Uh, I don't want to say reboot because that's weird. But basically, we made we made Ben there, Dan that, and Time Gentleman Police like a decade ago. Okay. And there was a lot of love for those games and a lot of love for those characters. And people were constantly asking us whether we were going to do more. Um, and when it came to do Layer of the Clockwork God, I was pretty adamant that um, I didn't want people to feel like it was the third part and they haven't played the other two. So mm. we we wrote we wrote it specifically to be a standalone adventure. Fortunately, Time Gentleman Police basically ends. Uh, spoilers, but it ends with the universe basically getting reset. So we had a completely blank slate to where from, from where to start. There you go. And we didn't need to. Um, so we reintroduced all the characters, and we don't have any plot like hanging over from the previous two games. So we were in a good position to basically just go, okay, this is like a brand new thing with these two characters. Uh, it's not. Att- it's not attached to those at all. Um, but it. But it. You know. And there's no like um, fan servicey stuff. I think it's like one or two in jokes that people who have played been there done that would get but like we've kept all of that stuff completely separate so that um people can come into this fresh and not have to like because i hate that thing where you're playing when you're playing something and you're you're like vaguely aware that you haven't played the one before and you sort of feel like you're missing out on stuff and you're missing out on references and things like that right i really hate that feeling so we were kind of keen to make sure that it doesn't feel like that okay yeah, you, like the con- the only thing you might want to know is the context of these two characters were in some classic, you know, '90s style point and click adventures before. Like, you know, they used to be adventurers. That's that's the only thing you'd need to know, really. 
So now is is the been Dan, been there Dan that series the only um I guess that's there's the first game the Ben and Dan series. Uh is that the the only games that you guys have worked on together or Ben do you do more uh, do you work on other games with size 5? Um it's the only one where I've co-designed and co-written okay. um like because because I'm Dan's best uh, best mate Oh, well, we are best mates. Because <laughs> I'm yours, but, like, but you've got like a whole But you're not mine. Like, <laughs> <laughs> there's Tim Schafer, and then there's Dave Gilbert, and then I'm kind of like 10th. Um, uh, because because we're best mates, uh, he will, like, whatever he's working on, he will send to me just, you know, even if it's just for playtesting and, like, kind of general feedback or whatever. And so um, the swindle, I didn't work on it, but I suggested a couple of things that made it in. And, you know, behold the kick man i checked it for typos and that that kind of thing but essentially uh the dan and ben games are the only size five things i've worked on okay and so uh dan you you do all size five things since you're since you won uh size five correct uh, yeah since i yeah uh i um basically the you know, size five is pretty much just me sitting in my attic at a computer. Um, I do all the code. I do all the code and the design and some bits of art. And then I get, I get people who are, who are more intelligent than I am to come in and help when things get a bit hard. So, so obviously like music and sound effects and stuff like that and, um, proper, what I consider to be proper art, um, uh, get those in. And then Ben and I have basically spent the last 10 years, because we're best friends, we we go to the pub and we'll sort of sit around and those those pub conversations invariably wound up talking about the game, talking about Layer of the Clockwork God and sort of sitting around designing puzzles and having a few drinks and um, talking about what would be funny and what would be good and what would work well. Um, uh, so, yeah, you know, I, I basically do I basically do all of it apart from apart from the complicated bits. <laughs> that sounds fun. It is, yeah. I love my job. I'm very, very lucky. Uh, now, Ben, what what do you do um, when you're not working on uh, the Ben and Dan series? Um, well, um, I'm, you know, I, I if am it's a... wanking, you can say wanking. <laughs> oh, <laughs> this case. this is an explicit uh, podcast, so yeah. I mean, if that's are we allowed to swear? Sorry. Sure. I've yeah. Already, I've already I've already said cock and wanking. So. <laughs> um, so I'm freelance, by which I mean I free my lance and then I wank. <laughs> uh, but no, I. So I'm I'm a I am a freelance video game uh, writer or narrative designer or whatever. But uh, to be honest, I haven't done that much stuff. I'm kind of trying to, I'm trying to, move, like, make that my. Um, full-time job but um until that happens basically i'm just a, a desk monkey in my everyday life um i mean covid has kind of um uh, made everything very strange so i honestly i don't know what i am right now like if you ask me ask me in a year's time i might have a a better answer for you but then you know then again world war three might have happened by then so um <laughs> entirely true Yep. But yeah, I, so I do, I do a bit of freelance game design and um, a lot of uh, uh, admin monkeying. Hmm. Okay, that uh, that does not sound as fun. I, I used to do IT back in my former life, and I I did not enjoy it. Um, 
Yeah, it's not great. Uh, I um, that's yeah, I, my condolences. I used to work in uh, I used to work in TV and film, and oh, I said okay. to myself, that, you know, if I ever get a job where I'm told what I have to wear, I'll know that my uh, life has taken the wrong turn. And then that, you know, the day that happened, I was like, oh fucking hell. Um, <laughs> and so, suddenly, like sitcoms like The Office made sense to me. I was like, oh. Right. The, the yes, all these characters do exist in every office that you work in, and that would be awful. <laughs> my uh, my last boss actually he bought himself a world's best bu- world's best boss <laughs> mug because oh, he thought it was funny that yeah. the guy in the show had bought himself a yeah. world's best boss mug, and I'm like, you realize that's not that's way too close. This is not this is not comfortable. <laughs> Um, it's not yeah. even like his own joke. It's like a sort of weird facsimile of someone <laughs> else's joke. It is. <laughs> like... um, but uh, but yeah, that's. Uh, um, I, I I'd look forward to asking you in a year how things are going because COVID has been uh, crazy and screwed up the entire world. How have you guys been over the past year or so uh, dealing with that? Is everybody healthy and all that? Yeah, healthy, uh, staying away from it, doing pretty well staying away from it. It's, it's quite easy for me because I live in the middle of the English countryside. I've got like just fields and cows on all sides. So there you go. So you got a I'm nice not, buffer, not, like the cows. Yeah, the cows catch the cows. Catch, yeah, the cows. If anyone sneezes, there's a cow <laughs> in the way to stop it. Uh, yeah, but, you know, it's I, I've been I've always considered myself very lucky throughout this whole thing that like, I'm not living in a one bed flat in the middle of a city because I think that I would really, really struggle. And I feel very sorry for people who are in that situation because, you know, I can just walk out my back door and I've got like acres of fresh air, like immediately there. I could walk for, I could walk for 20 minutes in any direction and probably not see anyone else. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm, I, I'm very, well, I'm very lucky. It's, it's, um, it's gone all right. I've sort of, uh, head down and got on with whatever work I can. The summer was sort of nice and easy because things started to open up a little bit more. But now, as we sort of close down again for the winter, I'm I'm sort of. I think my I think my only way through this sort of thing is to sort of head down and get on with some work and then just push through until spring. But I sort of feel like that every every winter anyway. Um, that's that's been my coping mechanism with with uh, dark afternoons for for many years now. Gotcha. What about you, Ben? um yeah uh healthy um thankfully uh no one that i'm that i am close to has uh, got covid or anything like that um it's it's weird though because it came at a time uh when my life was going through big changes anyway i i came out of a long-term relationship like a 10-year relationship and i moved city and uh my dad died and this all happened in like the space of a year yeah. and then i was like right okay life reset i'm gonna you know i'm gonna get a new job i'm gonna move to a new city i'm gonna lose weight and get sexy and you know get a tattoo and do all this stuff and like and then covid happened i was like oh okay i guess i'll sit in my room and watch supernatural (laughs) again (laughs) (laughs) so uh yeah it's fine like you know i'm certainly am not going to complain when other people have got it much worse but i just i feel like i'm in this weird limbo state and i'm like i just want you know God, I, d- I just want like I just want COVID to finish, and I want Trump to finish, and I want Boris Johnson to finish, and like just you know, new start, the, please. The sun to rise and shine, and not be <laughs> yeah. scared that it's a new day that something else I, yeah. is gonna fuck up, and you know, just. <laughs> 
I, I yeah. feel confident that January the 1st, 2021 is when all that is going to happen and suddenly everything's going to be okay again. <laughs> you know, so like... it was just 2020 being cursed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't want to say it, but we, we all thought that at the end of 2019 too. So yeah. like, uh, the... do you remember in like 2016 when all those like celebrities kept on dying and everyone's right. like, man, it's the worst year ever. Right. I just can't wait for it to be 2017 where no celebrities are going to die. <laughs> and then like celebrities carried, carried on dying and everyone's like, oh, hang on. Maybe it's not, maybe it's not I just think... numbers. Maybe. It's... No, I think, I think it's just that we're doing the calculations wrong. I think, I think it's definitely right this time. Okay. Okay, cool. Okay, cool. Good. It's good. It's good to know. It's good to know. All right. Well, let's <laughs> let's jump into the the game that we are talking about today, and that is Layer of the Clockwork God, uh, and not Liar of the Cockwork God, as we've already established. <laughs> that's um, a good name for a sequel. That's, <laughs> that's a really confusing name for a sequel. <laughs> maybe Obsidian will come out with with that, and uh, just to really. Oh, uh, maybe, maybe. Um... So, uh, so th- this game is a-, a hybrid of a platformer and a um, point-and-click adventure game. But, like, what? What? Yeah, so basically, um, the-, the idea of it is that uh, Ben is a... The-, the character Ben in the game. So the game is based on us two. And the character of Ben is a sort of diehard, old-school LucasArts point-and-click adventure game fan. And he will only do stuff that adventure game characters will do. So that's like, he's having to like look at things and talk to people and collect stuff in his inventory and combine things. But he won't jump or like walk off ledges and things like that. And okay. Dan, the version of me in the game, he's decided that there's no money to be made out of being an adventure game character anymore. So he's going to be an indie darling platformer instead. So he will only do stuff that's like running and jumping and standing on switches. And the idea is that you play the game, you sort of switch between the two characters using their unique skills to sort of progress. So like Ben will combine items in his inventory to make an upgrade for Dan so that Dan can jump higher and run faster and reach new areas and so on and so forth. So it's like this weird, it's this like, uh, it's at its core, it's like an old school point and click adventure game, but we've worked really hard to like keep it really fresh and forward paced and forward thinking and and driven. So it's not like, because I, I think, look back on those old adventure game structures as being like I like meandering simulators where you're just sort of like walking around endlessly talking to people and trying to work out what the puzzles are. Yep. Just click on everything, try to combine everything yeah, with everything yeah, yeah, else. Yeah. Yep. So we were very keen to like try and do what we could to make it feel a little bit more uh, modern. So you're not sort of just uh, idly clicking on things. You're you're very driven and very focused. So it's got, you know the joy of it is we've got this like platform game structure with like levels. So instead of uh, having to go back and forth and like you would in an adventure game, going back and forth between the levels, trying to work out whether you've missed something. Like, you know, you haven't missed something. All the stuff you need is like contained within this little bubble area that you've got. Cause you're on that specific level. Um, and that's that. And it's about a game about all the apocalypses have happened at once. And it's a game about Dan and Ben find themselves underground, trying to teach a old computer how to have, how to understand human emotions in order to stop all the apocalypse from happening. Okay. <laughs> so there's a lot and going on. Breathe. There, there's, there's a lot going on. Absolutely. Um, I figured I'd just get like all of that out. Yeah. You know, like just dump it all out front because you don't want to like surprise me with the, the computer and the emotions like at the end. I don't like, you wait a minute. Suddenly, I, I don't thought you suddenly yeah. turn around and being yeah. confused. So exactly. I thought I'd get it all out just... and then, and then we can all, Go to the pub early, right? Fantastic. <laughs> like, All right, we're, we're good. Let's, the, let's go. Um, 
where does the lawyer come in? That's what I'm confused about. <laughs> that's you. All the that's the Ben character. He's constantly giving. <laughs> ah, I wasn't confused at all. I was lying about that. <laughs> Very clever. <laughs> um, so, so I guess where did the idea of the platforming? Like, I understand trying to modernize the um, the adventure mechanics of it because. I don't know. I feel like people periodically try to do that, and a lot of times it just sort of ends up being like, "Oh, this is just this is just another adventure game that looks a lot like a Lucas Art adventure, Lucas Arts adventure game, and you need to click on everything and combine everything together, and eventually you'll get through." And there's some comedy, and like I don't know, it's just prettier now because time goes on and we have higher resolutions and, and better graphics and and stuff, and that's I don't know. I I I continually get frustrated with adventure games feeling like they're you know, made in the mid nineties and are, are yeah, very frustrating like, to me. Um, our problem was mainly that the, the, the traditional solution to advancing the adventure game formula was um, to take away all the verbs. So adventure games became like the same structure and the same setup and the same like sprawling web, like connectivity of different things to interact with, yeah. but they basically just removed all the verbs. So one click did everything. So it basically mm -hmm. removed any player agency as far as we were concerned so instead of being able to talk to a person or look at that person or push that person or uh you know use your inventory on that person you would just click once right. and it would automatically decide what you wanted to do so like a lot of the joy of adventure games sort of got sucked out of it because you weren't you were no longer um picking and choosing your path through those puzzles you were just moving from place to place clicking mm -hmm. um and what we did like as i said we we, we focused on making sure that the thing was plot driven so it's very forward focused it kept on moving locations forwards very very quickly so there's no sort of meandering and we kept everything contained to like a bubble and we cut down on we cut down on dialogue trees we cut down on all this stuff that we considered to be like fat and filler of of the old point and click mechanics hmm. um and really focused on making it really sort of driven and chiseled um so as to like still have that classic adventure game feel but not the sort of blubbery mess that sort of padded them out um all those years ago yeah and the the reason that we brought the platforming in really was because we'd been uh trying to make a sequel you know to, to time gentlemen please the second game we'd been trying to make a sequel to that because that was well received very well received um and we you know but every time we tried we we'd keep on kind of giving up because we'd be you know it'd be like this is fine but it's just the same game again and you know there's only so many times we can make dan and ben in a lucas arts adventure full-on you know full-on 90s retro you know uh before it becomes stale and i'm the jokes will be fine and the puzzles will be fine and everything but it's just it's not exciting so we tried a few different things we tried like let's do little ep five minute episodes let's do it where you're playing an npc um so and dan and ben are in the background doing puzzles and you're you're one of the npcs um and the uh the thing that we hit on that really worked uh, and gave us a lot of stuff to you know a lot of stuff to work with and a lot of jokes to make and everything was uh, was the platform thing was just completely changed the genre or at least 50 percent cha changed the genre of it because we got, we were sort of like writing stuff and thinking we've we've made this joke before, right? We were like, oh. this is we've done this already, and it felt like that was happening too much. And at least with by bringing the platform game and stuff in, that gave us a whole new suite of things to take the piss out of, and a whole new suite of 
um, things that, you know, because the games have always been like love letters to those genres that, you know, the, that's that's very much what we write. We, we're very respectful of the medium that it comes from. And uh, and, the, and the platform game just, just opened up a whole new world of things to um, drink in, I guess. Gotcha. Okay. So uh, how do you go about actually balancing kind of that, that dynamic? Because I feel like anytime anything tries to do like the fast kind of weirdly enough this game makes me think of sonic uh the hedgehog unleashed the one where he's a werewolf and oh, so man, it, yeah. it, it, it's supposed <laughs> it's <not> like to, <laughs> right no but it's supposed to be divided up in half where half of the time you're running fast and then half of the time you're doing platforming but because doing regular platforming takes so much longer than just running fast like sonic it ends up being like skewed where you're really only going fast for like 20 percent of the game and I yeah. imagine that you guys tried to to drive a or get a a balance where it at least feels like you're platforming and adventuring half the time, whether or not you actually are platforming and adventuring yeah. half the time. I realize this is a random anecdote, but um, I I got to review The Last of Us Two earlier this year, and in my review I said something about like there's a nice balance between combat and exploration. And I was watching somebody else's review months later, and they were like, "Yeah, there's only like three hours of combat in this game." And I was like, "Oh." Really? Wow, that's like ten percent of the game. That I did not realize. That. But that's still to you. That was a nice balance. It right. doesn't have to be fifty-fifty. You know, it just has to feel correct. Right. So how how do you go about getting that balance for that really long question that brought up Sonic and The Last of Us? <laughs> we we basically uh, the bread and butter of the game is the adventure game point and click side of it so um the the puzzles are everything and the puzzles were key uh making sure you have like uh really satisfying fun stupid puzzles to solve uh was the main was the main focus and that's what we basically spent all our time when we were designing the game and coming up with ideas in the pub and uh was was very much focused on the adventure game because what you because that's the bit you've got to get sorted that's got to be right Mm. so the game basically feels very much like a point and click game and we 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 um we describe the 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 platforming stuff. There's two two sides of the platforming stuff. One is where it's integrated with those puzzles. So you you know you're you're basically using Dan as a um a mechanic by which to solve adventure game puzzles with his platforming skills. But then um the other side of it is we we call them like palette cleansers for the Dan stuff. Okay. Uh, for the platforming side of things. So you after a long period of doing quite a lot of thinking and puzzle solving, we would just nip in these little like a mousse-bouche sort of uh, dalliances with platforming, just let you sort of like blow off some steam and like, you know, get rid of the cobwebs and do some simple running, jumping stuff before we get back into um, doing more and more, plat- more and more adventure game stuff. Mm-hmm. So I think the, the adventure game bit is the key. The adventure bit is, is king. Gotcha. Um, and the platforming stuff is kind of a... Uh, like like orbits around it constantly sort of sort of poking its nose in where it's needed yeah it, it makes me think of um w- one of my favorite movies is uh, freddy versus jason um i don't know if you've seen it but it's <laughs> it's basically it's the best movie you could possibly make with that title um and if you you, you watch the special features and the writers talk about how um that there'd been 10 attempts to make this movie and all the scripts were awful and ridiculous and they had like jason and went to court uh and where he was on what? trial for all the murders he'd done and all this kind of stuff. <laughs> um 
and the the new writers came in and they said right we're just going to like uh you know pare this right down and there's a certain amount of combinations that we want we want we want kids getting killed in freddy's world we want jason killing people in the real world we want freddy and jason to fight in freddy's world and we want freddy and jason to fight in the real world you know and they were like we need all the combinations of these uh you know these two elements that we've got um and that's kind of what we did with the with layer of the clockwork god is we said you know we, we want ben to do a bit of adventuring on his own we want dan to do a bit of platforming on his own we want them you know we also want them to uh, we want Dan to be helping Ben and we want Ben to be helping Dan. And, you know, you just want you just want a little bit of each combination mm-hmm. to keep it, um, you know, keep it, uh, keep the player constantly kind of on their toes. Gotcha. OK. Nice. Um, so I guess what are what are some of the uh, classic adventure game elements that you have in here? What what kind of stuff are you uh, making? And then what are the, some of the platforming gameplay elements that you have uh it looks like from the the trailer and stuff that it has kind of a uh, uh gravity shifting mechanic where you're moving yeah. around or... so quite a lot of the platform game stuff was is quite heavily drawn from indie platformers that's where that's where dan's focus is he wants to be an indie darling platformer so we've used a lot of like uh vvv and celeste and super meat boy but like okay. not the difficulty of it we were like quite clear that this is an adventure game no one wants to suddenly have to replay a section of platform game a thousand you're, times you're supposed to, go to cry fun. because of the puzzles not the yeah game. so we we, yeah. we like those sections are like draw inspiration from those games but uh are um how can i put it we, we wanted we, to evoke the feeling of playing them without actually yeah. so there's like the the illusion of danger is there mm-hmm. without necessarily being particularly hard to do so that and then and then the the adventure game side of things i would say is based on the what ben and i consider the holy trinity which is the uh dev the tentacle and full throttle and summer max hit the road okay. which as far as we were concerned was the three classic lucas arts perfect uh point and clicks that you know you can't go wrong if you're following those that, that you know if you're standing on those shoulders and following sure. those sorts of formats yeah so those are the i mean honestly the adventure game side of it is pretty classic um it's talking to people um picking up inventory items uh you know and and solving puzzles and we we do have some uh kind of uh more meta postmodern uh puzzles and stuff in there as well but um yeah that's like the the adventure game stuff is the best of the 90s and the platform stuff is the best of you know the 2010s i guess (laughs) okay Nice, very nice. Um, so, so the game came out earlier this year on on Steam, and then throughout the year, you guys got it on Xbox and Switch, and now it's on PlayStation. Um, I imagine, you know, obviously being an indie developer, getting things on multiple platforms is not as easy as when you have, you know, like a thousand people or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I guess what have been some of the challenges of getting the the game to other platforms? Do you know, it's it's surprisingly easy because um, you know you know how we were talking about me enjoying my job. I have a I have a very sort of specific rule whereby as soon as anything boring comes up, I farm it out to other people. And um, you know, like my because my job is basically you know I'm working on a game right now about about where you play a little dinosaur, 
um, chomping on humans and throwing them around the place. And it's really good fun. I'm really enjoying making it. And if someone was come to, if, you know, if I get an email from my accountant, I find that really hard to tear myself away from my day job to go and deal with all that sort of boring stuff. So what, so uh, when it comes to doing things like porting, I, it, it, porting is an extraordinarily, I'm going to say boring job. I've never done it, but from what I understand, it's an extraordinarily boring job and it's a very, very difficult job. Uh, so it makes more sense to me to farm it out to someone who knows what they're doing, which is where Tony Gorland from Ant Workshop came in, uh, who uh, I met a few years ago. And he said uh, he would take on the burden of, of porting my stuff to, uh, to consoles. So uh, the difficulty is that there's very little difficulty in that basically he said, can I do it? And I said, yes, you can. Please, please bother me with technical details as little as you can. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then he went away he sort of went away and did it and came back and went look it runs on a switch and you go brilliant well done um because i you know there's there's all this stuff with consoles with like uh where you've got to pass certification and certification is kind of um you know it, it's i don't know this for sure but like it's things like if you've got if you're playing the game and you unplug the controller from port two does it crash? And like, is there like a bill? There's like a list of each of the consoles of like things like that that uh, you've got to make sure stuff doesn't break when you do this sort of thing. So it makes much more sense to me to give that job to someone who does that sort of thing day in day out um, to worry about, and then I don't have to you know keep emailing back and forth from Nintendo when they say this still doesn't work, this still doesn't work, this still doesn't work, or you know, or with Sony or whoever. And mm -hmm. yeah, exactly, and doing like doing that like three times on the trot with three different companies. Um, I'd much rather just focus on making making explosions and and deciding what color the gun should be. That's my job. <laughs> <laughs> very nice. Oh, very nice. Um, so you mentioned that the game is is coming out on the sixth for PlayStation Four, and it'll be playable on PlayStation Five as well. I assume the Xbox version will be playable on the the new Xboxes and everything. So. Pretty much, yeah. if you have a, a console that was made in like the last ten years, you'll you'll be able to play. Um, in theory, yeah. yeah we cool. I, I haven't actually uh, because like and you know they haven't neither Microsoft or Sony have got it together enough to send me or like anyone yeah a thing for testing these sorts of things yet. So uh, as far as I'm aware, the new Xbox, whatever that's called, is uh, it works on that, but I haven't been able to see that myself okay. uh the playstation 5 i know works because greg rice bless him formerly of double fine and now at sony uh got in touch and we we sent him a build and he tested it for us oh, nice. and, it, and it works so that's nice so we know that it works on ps5 um well, that, that seems like the more complicated of the two to get something running on the other you know on the newer platform so hopefully, hopefully yeah that means in everything theory, is good in theory it is yeah um so that's exciting. So, uh, so yeah, PS4 and PS5. Uh, you know, when you get your new PS5 and then you open it up and then you realize, like, you've already played Demon Souls. <laughs> and what's what else is there? Miles, uh, Spider-Man. Spider-Man, yeah. Yep. Once you've done with Spider-Man and you're sitting there kicking your heels on like three days after the PlayStation 5's come out, you can you can have a look at Layer of Clockwork God, and that'll keep you going till Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, fantastic, fantastic. All right, well, um, I think that does it for the 
uh, part that we talk about the game, we have a, a final section called in-game where I ask you guys more personal questions. And uh, it's a lot of fun because, uh, you know, it's, it's high stress and no reward. So uh, the, the very first uh, question is, uh, what, what video game character would you like to grab drinks with? Oh, man, that's nice. Oh, yeah, Ben from Layer of the Clockwork God. That would be nice, because we actually haven't seen each other in (laughs) quite a long time because of COVID. So, like, (laughs) that's that's cheating, but it is realistic. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Oh, actually, I'm not sure I do want to go for a drink with Ben's version of Ben in the game. Hang on, that's not right. No, that's not right, because he's kind of an insufferable prick, isn't he? So, uh, yeah, maybe not. Um... Oh man, I don't I don't know if I like any video game characters enough to actually want to go for a drink with them. The first thing that came to my mind was Nathan Drake, but actually I'm not sure I do because it would probably just he'd probably get into a fight with someone halfway through and I get probably. thrown out. Yeah. Or he might kill you I accidentally out a window. Um yeah, I don't know if I I don't know if I like any video game characters that much. Okay. That's really bad, isn't it? What what am I wasting my time? Why haven't they written any really nice video game characters? <laughs> They're all like murdering arseholes, aren't they? Uh, okay, I'm going to say Glottis from Grim Fandango. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> all right, then, cool. Why? <laughs> uh, just because he's lovable and he's he'd be cool to look at as well. You're sitting there with like a eight, you know, ten foot massive orange demon, uh, and he's a light. He's a lightweight, if I remember correctly, from the. Uh, in the game so i could drink him under the table um and uh yeah it's just you know uh entertaining entertaining person to spend i, I probably two hours max uh you know and then i'd then i'd kind of sneak out the bathroom window but <laughs> glosses has got like a two hour maximum drinking capacity it looks like a before you get bored and, and, and run out on him like yeah. a sort of like a like an awful tinder date Exactly. Wow. Well, that, that's mine, Dan. What's yours? Uh, well, I said Nathan Drake, and I think I'll go with Nathan Drake. I go with Nathan Drake just after just after he's finished one of his adventures, mm. so that a, like he's he's all like adventured out, and he's not going to start like punching people in the bar to get a medallion or whatever. And b, theoretically, he he's rich enough to pay for the drinks at that point because hey. he's always stealing all that gold and stuff, isn't he? So. It's a good plan. It's a good plan. Thanks. Uh, okay, so next question is: If you could replay any video game over again for the first time and have that that first time experience again, don't have to worry about it aging poorly or anything like that. You just get that first time experience again. What game would you like to play? Almost definitely Half Life Two. Okay. I think like it was just it was just mind blowing. Yeah. Like it was just it was just something else and. Uh, I would love to drink that in again. Do you know what uh, what else as well? This is really this is not not this, but like um, I was thinking recently about Sonic the Hedgehog, the first Sonic the Hedgehog on Mega Drive or mm-hmm. Genesis. And do you remember? Like, I don't know how old you are, but like when he went around that loop de loop, that was <laughs> that was mystifying. That yeah. was like unbelievable that that happened in that game. And I I I feel like um, I've spent my entire adult life chasing that that fleeting chasing. sensation from that game do you know what i mean because it like you forget about it you look at some yeah. hedgehog going around that loop to loop and you go oh it's Sonic hedgehog going around a loop loop yeah oh, whatever but that first time you saw it was something else and i think that's um something that's been that i think that's something that's been forgotten 
True. Right? People don't give that game enough credit for that loop de loop moment and where you where you get all wowed. Yeah. Um, that's fair. Yeah, no, I uh I didn't actually love the first Sonic because when I originally played it, it just it kinda reminded me too much of uh just a fast Mario in a way. But then it was it was Sonic two that made me just like my brain explode because of the, right. the spin dash and, and everything, and it was just it was so much faster. It wasn't just fast Mario; it was so fast that it it changed the game. And it that yeah no that's no other Sonic game or any other like speedy platformer has kind of made the same impression of of Sonic the Hedgehog. I've always said the same uh, thing about Sonic, and specifically about Sonic one, is that people make the mistake. Because Sonic fell for their own marketing. That's where Sonic went wrong. Sonic fell for their own marketing that Sonic was about speed. And Sonic 1 was about momentum. And that's what made it amazing. So it wasn't like about going really fast through the level. Mm -hmm. It was about getting up enough speed to to, to climb up a, a wall, run up a wall vertically. Yeah, yeah. And get enough up. Uh, and that's where Sonic 1 was ace. It wasn't necessarily about like just running really quickly. It was about utilizing his ball-based physics to get him to to get him to higher places. Yeah. Um, and to get those get those rings and stuff like that. Um, and I think that's something that Sonic Mania did really well. Sonic Mania was a really, like, not quite as good as Sonic 1, but like it at least understood. Sonic Mania, I consider a sequel to Sonic 2. I don't know if it is. It's a, a sequel to Sonic 3, isn't it? But like Sonic 2 and Sonic 3, we started to go by like, yeah, 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 go fast, go fast, go fast. That's what it's, that's what this is about. And right. Sonic Mania did a really good job of like tempering the fact that you were going really fast by not just littering your path with things you, that would kill you. But it didn't, it didn't necessarily quite get that. Because like, everyone remembers green hill zone and going really quickly in green hill zone and then you go straight to marble hill mm -hmm. whatever it was super uh, slow yeah. it's right. like a, it's like a really methodically paced classic platformer level right yeah about half um, the but, ones in the original sonic are are much slower methodically paced yeah um yeah 100 and then son and then sega fell for their own marketing and they were like these games were about speed there Interesting. you go okay uh, not that, but far be for me like to it. tell. Not far be for me to tell Sega what to do with their. <laughs> <laughs> well, they, they don't know what they're doing with the Sonic franchise. Well, so no, sure. I, th I think you are free to tell them what to do. Um, mine was Dare the Tentacle. I can I can play I I play Dare the Tentacle over and over, and I still enjoy the jokes and the acting and the animation and stuff. But the the one thing I can't enjoy again is the is that realization when you when you solve a puzzle you go ah oh, you bastards that's brilliant that's perfect so okay all right so the next question is what what is a good uh trend in video games that you would like to see more of it can be a gameplay mechanic it can be a type of i don't know genre combination it can be a studio practice it can be backwards compatibility whatever um i would love to see more vr i would love to see vr become actually you know mainstream and uh what's the word like taken up you know like uh, get a big audience mm. and um lots of different genres uh putting it and everything I'd, I'd love to play some vr adventure games and that kind of thing um i'm i'm kind of worried that it's gonna fizzle out because you know Oc oculus is now uh, well, or, uh, Facebook has now kind of eaten Oculus and is yeah. is actively killing it, and so it's down to Steam and uh, or down to Valve rather, and their uh, history with uh, hardware is not perfect. So you know, so I'm a bit worried that it's all going to just die on the vine rather than 
uh, hit that point that everyone was hoping it was going to, where the price came down and the graphics went up, and it just hit that point where everyone was going to be playing VR and loving it. So I'd, that's what I would like to see more of. Okay. I've said this before, and I will say it again. Until until someone makes <laughs> an absolutely killer porn VR app, like when, when, when that you say happens, killer porn, not killer porn, but like <laughs> like uh, exceptionally good, like you know, like a like a like the best of the best. When that happens, you will suddenly find a VR headset in every household in the world. <laughs> but like, people go, yeah, I, yeah, I got it for the games. Yeah, I got it for the games. <laughs> but like, but that will be the selling point when it's just like, you know, here's a room, live out your fantasies. Mm, uh, yeah. Suddenly, and then and then off the back of that, because uh, that you know. Uh, that famous story about you know VHS and Betamax, and mm. Betamax, Beta, I don't know how true that is, but the, the story was that Betamax didn't have any porn on it, and so VHS won. Well, yeah, the uh, porn industry chose VHS, and that's yeah, which is ironic because Betamax, you know, yeah. it's called it's <laughs> called Betamax. Yep. Yeah, that's true. Um, but yeah, like because you because you have been saying that for years, and like that has made me think about like. What a put a VR a good VR porn game. Oh man, let's not get into be. your. No, 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 no. no. I, I do not <laughs> want to hear a list of your depraved <laughs> recommendations for porn VR. Thank you very much. That's let's kill that there. <laughs> no, that's not the most uh, debauched kind of area I could have gone to. It is for um, a light-hearted video game podcast. Uh, is this light-hearted? I thought this was a serious. <laughs> I thought this was a uh... grim dark edgy twisted i'm not uh, zach snyder game. come on uh all right uh let's we're gonna we're gonna move on from there what's a bad trend what's uh what what's something that you want to see less of in video games ben banging on about porn vr <laughs> <laughs> it's fair yeah uh i agree <laughs> What, if we're of? talking about the industry what i would like to see less of is um uh entitled gamers and uh gaming companies kowtowing to those entitled gamers right. i think i think uh, this this is probably not quite what you're asking but i th- i think like the i think the industry needs a big shake up in like atti- on in the attitude on both sides of the fence sure no yeah. you can take I that d- question however you want to and that that's great 100% i very much like on the, on the back of that i very much also like to see video game companies taking some fucking responsibility for things like toxic cultures uh, you know within the company themselves and uh um you know crunch and all that sort of stuff Mm -hmm. like you know actually treating their employees like humans and that sort of thing i think would be yeah a very nice a very a very good bad trend to get rid of sure yeah, because I mean, you know, you say what would I, what would you like to see less of in video games? It's like, well, there's enough space for everything, isn't there? So, apart from like, you know, outside of hate speech and stuff, like, do whatever you want with video games. But yeah, the the thing I, the thing I would like to see less of is the actual, is the uh, cultural, uh, the really the toxic culture. Okay, I like it. <clears throat> I like it. Uh, Sorry. Okay. Not that wasn't lighthearted either. No, but that oh, was no, that was that was fantastic. That was that was <laughs> I enjoyed that much more than than <laughs> the <poor. laughs> All right. Um Okay, so so both of you guys uh, get to make video games and you've done some some other uh, things, but if you could try any other profession, like just anything, astronaut, professional food taster, deep sea diver, uh, whatever, what what would you like to try? 
film director. Okay. Do you know that thing where um, when they're making a pot? You know in Ghost when they're making a pot and it goes round on, they've got a big lump of clay and they push it oh, yeah, with their fingers mm, and it makes mm. a pot. Yeah. It goes round on a little wheel. It goes round on a little wheel, round and round in circles and you press and it makes it. I've always wanted to have a go at that. Hmm. I don't know if it's a, that's not really a job, is it? But it looks really good fun. <laughs> I like I it when they... A, that must be a job. It's making yeah, a Yeah, but pot. making it's pots be a job. probably a job. Yeah, but I, you know, I don't know if I want to do it that much. Sure. <laughs> I want to do it once and then and then go, oh, this is not for me. Like, <laughs> can I do that? So if the question was, which hobby would you want to immediately give up on? Then, you know, perfect answer. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, I, do you know, the only other thing I would quite like to do is I'd quite like to write uh, like TV comedy stuff, which is not massively dissimilar to the existing job. But something where you get to write characters and uh, make jokes and sit around throwing ideas around without having to then go back to the office and actually code it mm-hmm. would, be, would be quite nice. Um, something, with, something that's just the extremely fun bit of my job is the, is the writing and the uh, throwing words together a bit. So, I'd, yeah, I'd, I'd quite happily do that. Okay. Fantastic. Fantastic. Well, that brings us to our last question. And uh, your drinking buddies are Nathan Drake and Gladys. You get to go have drinks with them and ask them a question. What is your question, and how do they respond? Uh, mine's obviously going to be some kind of law-based question, so that I can like un- unravel one of the mysteries of uh, uh, Grim Fandango. Um, I'm gonna. I'll, I'll ask Glottis. Um, do you know what Manny Calavera did to, you know, in his life that he got uh, made into a estate agent? Uh, and the Glottis is going to answer that he uh, developed um, VR porn. <laughs> he developed a successful VR porn game, and that kind of basically just killed off humanity. <laughs> okay, it probably would. I, yeah. didn't, I didn't really realise I'd have to actually converse with Nathan Drake in the pub rather than just like stare into his eyes and well, hope see, he doesn't start. See, you didn't people. want to surprise me. You gave me all the crazy stuff up front, but I did surprise you, so you know, it mm. works out in the end. If I'd known I was gonna have to engage with them, I would have picked someone more if I was gonna have to ask them a uh, like a pertinent <laughs> question. <laughs> you defeat someone sure. with an actual personality, is that what yeah, you're saying? Yeah, if it was someone with an actual personality who's <laughs> got I guess I'd I guess I'd ask him. Actually, do you know what? I'm a big fan of um, the reason I like the Uncharted games is because I'm a big fan of any story that's got like an an old map. Okay. An old map and some jungle with some Nazis in it yeah. and gold. Sure. I am all there for. So I guess I would just ask him if he's got an old map to some gold that we can go and look for, and, and ideally one where no like mercenaries are also interest, uh, interested in the gold because I don't know. <laughs> Like you know what he's like. He'll just, start, yeah. he'll just start. He will just open fire on the first group of people he sees. Like Nathan. these were tourists. What is wrong with you? Can you imagine what he's like after a couple of drinks as well? It'd just be bedlam. Like, straight out of the pub with a hand grenade, throwing it at whoever he sees, assuming they're mercenaries. That's the that's the worst thing. Is it? He wouldn't even make a Molotov cocktail. So. It, Look, look, no. Nathan. We've got a load of bottles of vodka. It's all right. I've got like ten grenades in my pockets. Oh. Yeah. So what would, his, what would his answer be then, Dan? When you I, when you ask him if he's got a map, he uh, he 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 would. You know what he would do? He would chuckle and he'd try and pretend that he doesn't have a map in a way <laughs> that suggests he knows he definitely has got a map. 
Mm. He say like, "Map? What are you talking about? <laughs> I'm like, a map? What map?" And then, and then, I would be like, "There is a map." <laughs> and then I'd ask him like, "Why? Like, how he how he carries so many grenades in his pockets?" It sounds like you're using like adventure game dialogue trees <laughs> against a platformer character. That's uh, what it sounds like. Yeah, it does. Funny how that happens. Um, all right. Well, that that well, does it funny. for the insanity that is the end game. Thank you guys so much for sitting down and chatting with me about Layer of the Clockwork God and a bunch of other stuff. If you could send <laughs> us out by letting listeners know where they can go to get their hands on uh, Layer of the Clockwork God to play on their shiny new consoles. Uh, well, it's on it's on Steam or GOG or uh, for Mac and Linux and Windows, and then it's on Switch and Whatever Xboxes you've got that were quite, re- uh, quite recently, whatever PlayStation's around. All the Xboxes, all the PlayStations. I can't remember the names of the Xboxes, which is why I said that. It's on PS4 and PS5, and but, then if I tried to tell you what the names of the Xboxes were, I'd slip up and make a mistake. So I just, I just all started saying new Xbox and Xbox. The new Xbox, yeah. yeah. And that's... People, people seem to understand that when, when I say that. So it's, yeah, it's And please, please, to all the listeners, please do buy and review and uh, tweet about Riley Reed's big, sexy VR adventure because that really needs to to get out there and, you know, be- become popular. I've got this horrible feeling that as soon as this podcast is done, Ben's going to get out his crayons and start sketching together with a signed document. Okay. I have my, my crayons already out, Dan. <laughs> All right. Well, guys, thank you so much for sitting down. Uh, and chatting with me about um, so many things. It's it, This has gone places. This has gone more places <laughs> than things usually do, and I appreciate it. Uh, but thank you so much, and best of luck as you guys continue to work on games and work on your next project. I hope we can chat again uh, soon with about, about whatever that is. And until next time, stay safe out there, and be good to one another, and have a good one. Right, thank you very much. I really enjoyed it. No, because because right. Listen, I'm not going to stop. Um, <laughs> the, because currently VR porn is just uh, it's like a 3D video, and you move, you can move. Like I haven't done it, but I know that that is as far as they've got. It's like you move your VR headset around. In you know you know how you have 3D videos where you move your mouse around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's that basically. It's not even right. proper 3D. But like, so what they would actually have to do to make a, to for VR porn to actually be a good thing and like and uh use the full potential of vr is that you would have to move around in the space right and you'd have to like you'd have you'd you'd be able to tell about you moving around in the space you'd say like right i now want you to do this and i want you to do that and it, so it'd all have to be modeled it all have to be 3d modeled and they have to be have ai and it'd have to look good it couldn't it couldn't look like you know it'd have to look yeah, yeah. photo realistic enough to actually uh, be sexy so yeah i don't think vr porn's going to happen because for it to be better than just a regular 2d porn video um it would you... it would cost a lot of money
I think given that you don't have to throw any polygons, sorry to go on about this, given you don't have to throw any polygons into rendering the environment particularly, and you can throw them all at your character models, I think you could mm. probably do a pretty good job. Uh, decent character creator at the start, so you can pick and choose who you're bumming, and then uh, carry on. I think it's like, yeah. you know, not that I not that I spent any time thinking about it, but uh, but yeah, I've got a perfect design document on my <laughs> two thousand pages long. <laughs> Presumably, you'd have like proper full HD scans of famous porn stars, like you know how. Yeah, no, you can't do that. Now, can the... you? That's that's iffy as fuck, isn't it? So, no, no, but they it would be officially licensed, like the oh, okay. So like yeah. you know you can get a flashlight with Sasha Green's vulva oh, or whatever. Like it would be you know whoever. Uh, I'm trying to think of a, someone more is modern this, than Sasha Is Gray, this where so. you thought this was going to go? <laughs> no. I bet it's not. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, what's her name? Uh, Riley what? Reed. Like, you know, Riley Reed would go and stand in the volume and get scanned, like, down to the last. Oh. Uh, okay, okay Ben, I leave that. I'm, I'm drawing a line under this now. <laughs> I meant it as like a, a throwaway flippant comment, and you've. You've dragged it out into scanning women's bodies, and it's gone. Well, no, because I want I want VR scanning women's bodies. That's not the worst, you know, 